Hello there and welcome to the Whole Healed Holy Podcast, a place for conversations of the heart, for exploring healing, divinity, and all things sacred. I'm your host, Patricia Russo. I'm a mystic, muse, and spiritual teacher guiding women into their hearts with a journey of softening. I'm a published poet, a lover of hearts, and a forever student. Welcome, love, to a sacred pause and hopefully a few tingles, and to a reminder that we are all whole, healed, and holy. I'm so happy you're here. Let's slip into today's episode. Something happens to me, to my heart, to my mind, to my spirit or soul, when I think of this sister. It's a full being feeling, a reminder, a solid drop-in, a palpable remembering into what it looks and feels like to be a child of God. And then when I witness her in all that she is and all that she generously shares, I see it and I suddenly know it through her, that there is a God and that he is here with us and guiding us and within us. A bio that you can easily find for yourself about my guest today. I usually start with this and then I go into my gift for how I see sisters in the world. Ify Natasha Brandon is a professional poet, author, and creative director who believes in the power of authenticity and creative storytelling. She has spent the last 10 years as a multimedium storyteller, helping entrepreneurs and organizations find purpose and tell stories that impact their communities. She is a spoken word artist and author of three books, Learning to Love, a hundred questions for the soul in September, her most recent book of poetry. And she has been published in various publications and online platforms, including ABC News and several medium publications. Her work in soul care began in 2014 when she hosted a small dinner party with drinks and deep discussion as a space to explore possibility and commune with like minds. She has since formed partnerships with creative women entrepreneurs to curate intimate retreats and pop-up events. She's a certified yoga instructor, a fitness lover, and a serial show and movie watcher. And when she isn't working, she's taking long walks in nature or watching movies with her husband and her two kids. She describes herself as somewhere between Lauren Hill, Nola Darling, and Jesus Christ. I have to I've loved you from the moment that we met. Thank you to Ro Lamb. Yes. Um, and this love came easily and quickly and so overwhelmingly because God shines through you. And I can feel it when I'm with you. Wow. God shines through all of us, but sometimes we get it in the way of this being seen and felt, but not with you, Ify. This light within you is so generous and so divine, and you are it in your being and in everything that you do and everything that you share, in every poetic word, in every soft and graceful action that we see and that your confession of the cussing that you do in your head too, (laughs) in the way that you clearly and powerfully tell the truth and all the ways that you are incredibly witty. I see the way that you are with your children and how you honor them for who they are. 
I see the way that you are with your king and you set a beautiful example of what partnership looks like, like real partnership, the struggles and the love and support. I see the way you honor your mama and where you come from. You are the embodiment of this part of my mantra, I am holy for me and for so many others. You know your truth and you share it beautifully and you inspire me so much. Thank you so much for being here with me today. Oh my goodness. <laughs> that was the most beautiful thing I've ever heard. Thank you so much for that. That was so beautiful. That says a lot, Ify, because you're a poet and you're a writer and you're a storyteller and you work with so many people. And to say, this is why I start every episode this way, because I feel like when we sit, I'm starting my first handful of episodes with sisters that I really know and that I've walked with and sat with and loved mm -hmm. with, worked yeah. with and healed with and all the things, both myself and just in service to them. I'm starting this podcast with the first handful of episodes with sisters that I know well, because it's a safe place to start for me. Yeah. And um, sharing my gift of how I see women is the way that I want to start every episode, because I feel like it's such a gift that I have. And it's such a beautiful thing to do yes. for a sister. Yeah. And then I think it, what it does is it inspires this opening that I'm hoping to have on the, in these conversations, because it's, I want, the sisters that come and that say yes to me in these conversations to feel I see them and like I love them and that they're safe here to have this conversation with me. And I think we all love to be seen by somebody who really sees us. And so, yeah, it's, a, it's like my honor to see you in this way and to share it in words with everyone who's listening today, because this is how I feel about you. And I have since I met you. Yeah. I mean, I think that's when you just started talking again, I was like, yeah, exactly. You, I feel like you really saw the parts of me that mattered to me. You said so many things and I'm like, oh, I'm not ever sure if what I'm giving off is what is being received. But when you said some of the things you said about my heritage, my mom, my children, everything, it made me feel very seen. And that is indeed a gift. It is. And it did. I feel like it provided an opening for me and it, it did exactly what you were hoping exactly. So thank you. That it was amazing. Mm, I love that. And I love you. And I'm glad that we're here and we're open now and we can drop yeah. this conversation because I've just been looking forward to this conversation with you for so long. I want to start just right away with asking you what exactly is a culture conversationalist. <laughs> yeah. I love how thoughtful you are with your words just in general, but this title description feels so careful and so thoughtful to me. Can mm. you tell more about what this means exactly and what this entails and maybe why this is so important to you with who you're being and what you're doing with your life? Yes, that's a great question. So it's funny, I read that out loud the other day and my husband was like oh who called you that and I was like I called myself that <laughs> he was like okay <laughs> and for me you know I actually have to give credit to Ro Lamb on this one because he brought up the fact that I curate and have these conversations about culture in my stories and I guess even with my friends and people around me I love having conversations about culture what's going on what's changing how do we view it? How do we reframe it? And he just randomly said to me, like, you know, you're really good 
having these conversations about culture and bringing different perspectives together. And I hoped that I was doing that, but I didn't really know. And so I said it, I was like, okay, great. I'm doing what I'm hoping to be doing. And I think for me, as someone who I don't necessarily defy cultural norms, but I do question them and I do investigate them. And I'm curious about, do we have to do it this way? Do we have to do it that way? What does this mean? What does that mean? How much of this is based on what we saw growing up versus how much of it is based on truth? And so the cultural conversations for me is I just love to have and provide space for conversations to happen that maybe are not happening elsewhere. And sometimes it's well-received, sometimes it's not. It depends on the group and what I'm talking about. Mm -hmm. But I think they're necessary. And I think I talk about being a serial movie and TV watcher. I think TV and film does that too. Like they present these conversations and they blow them up and make them big. And if it's effective, then everybody's talking about these things happening in shows. And so I just love having those conversations because I think it informs how we live and how we see things. And then it provides space for people to be seen and for people to know they're not alone. Like, yeah, you're not the only person with that opinion. That's what it means. It's just like, having conversations around culture. Sometimes I walk away with from them with new perspectives and I'm like, hmm, I didn't think about it that way. Oh my um, God, I, was, I love yeah. your polls on your stories. Like who else grew up this way or who else had yeah. a who said this or yeah. that? And I would imagine that you do get some really interesting responses. It's like yes. a learning for you. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. When yeah. you use the word culture, can you just kind of share hmm. what culture mean for you? Is it pop culture or is it? Yeah, that is a great question. And I won't say that this is like the Webster definition. This is more so my perspective of what culture is. When I think about culture, I think about how we live as a society, but I also think culture operates in smaller groups. Like, So there's like big culture, right? Societal culture where maybe the world operates a certain way. And then there's Western culture and then there's United States culture. There's Black culture. There's Nigerian culture. I think culture is like the way that we live, whether it's in a big group or in subsets. And so when I think about culture, it's our ideals, our customs, our traditions, our mindset, like a collective mindset, just how we live and how we do things and see things. Again, it can be in anything, you know, work culture, so many different ways. And so this is when you say cultural conversationalist, it's about all of that. It's all the pieces of that. And you're a first generation. Everyone before this generation is from Nigeria. Yes. And what is that like? You're bringing in sort of your ancestors, past generations Mm. of culture, right? A different Mm. culture, this perspective of culture as it applies to your family living in the U.S. as first generation. And so I think that's one of the things that I love about your perspective is that you have this fresh perspective of this blending of cultures in a lot of ways. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that's really, it's one of the many reasons why I turn to you. And like, I just love when you speak about culture because I feel like it's just coming with such a rich lens. Mm, thank you. Yeah, you have a perspective of being born in a different culture and, and now you're living and navigating being kind of living in another one. Yeah. And how do we navigate that and blend into that blend together or not, whatever we decide. Yeah. One yeah. of my favorite, I want to just 
we can go here if you want, if this feels right. Let's go. Or we can, yes. or we can just put it here for people to find it on their own. But I loved this medium piece that you wrote called Can a White Girl Wear That? Thank you. And let me tell you why I loved it. I loved it for all kinds of reasons, but I'm a white girl and I'm, <laughs> and I'm often asking myself, can I wear that? Um, <laughs> as I live in France, the perspective is wildly different than in the U.S., yeah. And when I read this, it was after I had an experience in the African shop on the corner of my street that mm. when you come to Paris, I'm going to take you here. Mm. A full shop. And I wandered in just one random day and there was some headscarf, all kinds of different things to wear on your head. And I said to the beautiful girl that owns the shop, like, well, she saw me seeing them and she said, do you want to try one on? just like innocently. And from my perspective, I thought, oh, I should probably not do that. Like <laughs> the innocent me just looked at her and said, do you think I could wear this? Yeah. Nothing else attached to it, just like an honest curiosity. And um, yeah. And her response to me was such a shock because it feels different than mm. some of the culture that happens in the US for very good reason. So I want to present mm -hmm. that the US culture, it's very different in this area than the French. They just don't have the history that we have mm. in the US, right? But she looked at me and she said, well, of course. And then there was a French girl that was in the shop too. And she said, why wouldn't you? It, you know. And so then it was this moment where she showed me yeah. how to put it on. And I walked out of there just thinking, oh my God, that was such a, like, I didn't have to be careful. It was like, yeah. we saw each other. She saw my natural curiosity of like wanting to know how you do that and how you wear that. I wanted to see it on me just to see. I wanted, and it was like so beautiful how she was so, open to, to my curiosity and just like really seeing it for what it was. Then mm -hmm. I read your piece, Can a White Girl Wear That? And I just thought, oh my goodness, this is so good. How does this feel for you? Like, is there anything here that you want to share? Because I feel like this speaks yeah. to part of you being a cultural conversationalist and also your perspective of being Nigerian living in the US and how different everything is. Yeah. Is there anything here that you want to just touch on? You know, it's so interesting because I wrote that piece a while ago and I've since like had so many experiences and thoughts and learned so much about a lot of different things. Honestly, I think back to that piece. I always do this with my pieces. I ask myself, like, do you still feel that way? Like, because you grow and you change. Right. And I ask myself and I'm like, yeah, I still feel that way. I still feel the way that I felt when I wrote that, you know, I just like to check. But that moment was such a real moment for me because the girl who asked me this question in grad school also asked it very innocently. Like I could just tell she really wanted to know, like, I really love your scarf. And like, can a white girl wear that? Like, and she really asked me and I, and I remember thinking, well, yeah. But then when I went home to write the piece, I really sat and thought about it. And I asked myself, well, can she? Yes. Okay. What is the rationale? Because I know that there are a lot of other Black women who would say, no, she can't wear that. Mm -hmm. I just know that for a fact. And their opinion, and I'm sure it comes with all types of background. Mm -hmm. But then I started thinking about the why. I call them tiny injustices. You can call them contradictions. Mm -hmm. But I love investigating tiny injustices because I think a lot of times, myself included, we say things and do things, and then we kind of contradict ourselves later. And I kind of wanted to show in that piece, like, there's so many different ways that we share culture and we don't even know. There are so many ways we do things and maybe we don't know the history of that culture. There's just so many nuances. And so 
I think if I said anything about it, it would just be, I think intent matters. I think intention matters. And I think that we should all go into things with intention, but we don't always do that. We're human. Like, Mm -hmm. but I think my biggest point of that piece was like, what's the intention? And if we're not here to share each other's culture, then what are we, what are we really doing? If we want to stay in silos then okay, but that's not a culture and that's not a society I necessarily want to live in. And yeah, by very nature, I'm Nigerian born in Smyrna, Georgia. I automatically share different cultures. There are things that I learned about Black culture that I didn't learn until I was older. And, but there's music that I love and there's everything's a mix. Mm-hmm. So that piece got a lot of, yeah. yeah. I think there's space for all of it, right? Yeah. It has to do with intention and natural curiosity. Yeah. And when you come from that place and you're asking someone of that culture, yeah, we have to respect the yes and the no. Yeah, I agree. I feel like it's, I agree. it's like about respect and intention and curiosity. Yeah. And, and yeah. I hope too, like you do, that we end up in a place together where there's a natural curiosity, a beautiful intention, yeah. and a yes, because then yeah. like in those situations, we really expand. And I walked out of that shop just feeling so connected. And it was such a generous gift for her to give to me to just mm-hmm. open with her culture mm-hmm. and to mm-hmm. allow me to experience mm-hmm. it in that moment. And that's how I see yeah. it. And, yeah. But it's not a yes for everyone. And that's okay too. No. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I agree. As you facilitate this conversation about culture, both within yourself and with others, how, if it does, does your faith come in? Where does it mm. Oh my goodness. I'm going there. Let's talk about God. (laughs) Yeah, I love that. Gosh. Okay. The question was, how does my faith and how does God kind of play a role in the culture conversations? Yeah. For you, if it does within Mm. yourself and and if you share this piece in the conversation, because this is a big piece of who you are. It is. And you know, I always say that I feel like I'm kind of an in-between because I, I feel like I'm always in between things. So even when it comes to God, I was raised in church. And so from fourth grade and up, I was going to church all the time. I was in church camps. I was in the choir. And I actually had a genuine love for God too. I was a faith person. And as I've grown, my faith has evolved. And so I have friendships and all this foundation in the Christian faith. And then I have more of a, like my own version of I don't know what to call it, honestly, my own version of faith that I have that encompasses a lot of different things. And so I think because I evolved in my faith, it helps me to see things from a very different perspective. I feel like I see a very wide range of how people live, how people believe in God. And I realize that because it doesn't fit into a box doesn't mean that it's not valid. And that's with anything. That's with God. That's with faith. That's with our culture. And I think my faith has really helped me see so many beautiful things about other people because like I do yoga. I'm a certified yoga teacher and yoga for me is both exercise, but there's also a spiritual component to it too. But there are people in my life who would say, well, how do you find God in yoga? And I'm like, how do you not find God in yoga? Right. I feel like my faith allows me to see God in a lot of different things. And because of that, I'm able to see a lot of different things as good and valid and beautiful because it's like, God didn't make one person and say, this is the model. I feel like we're all kind of the model in a sense. Yeah. Faith is a really big part of my life, but I think because I've evolved and because I have so many people in so many different areas of faith, sometimes it's hard to talk about 
Um, Because you want to honor the way that you were brought up, the way that your mama believes in God and the way that your current family does and what you're bringing your children into. Is it also incorporating the yoga? Like, why is it tricky for you? Yeah, I think it's all of those things, but I think it's less of my family because my mom is actually She's not a hodgepodge as well, but like she just has her own version of what faith is too. I think we all do in my family, to be honest. We kind of all have our own version of faith and we respect that and let everybody do their thing. I think it's more of the friendships that I've built over the course of time. Like I have friends who have been friends with for 10 plus years. And sometimes it's hard to have those conversations because we just see things differently. Mm-hmm. And where I want them to be more open they're like, yeah, we kind of just believe what we believe and we're good. And that can be difficult for me because I'm like, but what about these other things? So I think that's why it can be difficult. And same with people on social media, like people know me from all different walks of my life. And so sometimes those conversations can just get hard because people are asking questions about like, there's a Christian leader who was talking about Beyonce and about Beyonce being demonic. And so then I made a statement that I think that's kind of an irresponsible statement. And then somebody hit me up and was like, yeah, can we talk about that? And I'm like, no, I I don't really want to. (laughs) Yeah, I just kind of want to say this is what I think and move on. But then it's like, you know, yeah, but people want to talk about it. And she didn't come from a negative place. She was like, I genuinely want to have an honest, curious conversation about why you think this. And so when it, yeah. And I'm like, okay, you know, I can respect that. And so we had the conversation, but it's still hard. It's still hard. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you answered this next question for me and I just mm. want to see if there's anything else here. I wanted to ask you, who is God for you in this moment? Mm. How would you describe your faith in this moment? Can you share a glimpse of your understanding or your belief or your practice? And this is a really yeah share if you're willing to answer this question because it's so tender and so intimate and especially for what you just presenced but I think when you are brave enough to share that you are a spiritual person or a person of faith or dare we say today that you believe in God yeah I think there are certain people that want to hear about these topics from Mm. because Mm. we have a very specific lens or because we And they want to just know what our perspective is through that lens. You shared that your faith has evolved. You touched on just a little bit about how you were brought up in the church from when you were very little. Yeah. We know that you're a yoga teacher and just from being a bhakti yoga teacher, it's a very spiritual practice for me, but I know that yoga isn't spiritual practice for everyone. But I have a sense that if you're coming into it with a faith-based kind of belief that you do find the spirituality in yoga. How do you define this now? Like, what can we hear from you so that the people that are listening can like really understand what questions you will and won't answer based on? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's case by case basis. But so I love this question. And if I can be honest, as you were asking it, I was like, okay, all right. Like, this is one of those moments where I feel like whenever I get really emotional about a topic, I know it's because it's something that I really care about. And I felt myself getting emotional about this because I love God and I love spirituality so much because of the way you're able to connect to something that's bigger than you. I feel like I have no idea who, what God is. I feel like I have no idea 
if God is a spirit, if God is a person sitting on a hill, if God is the trees, if God is the grass, like I really couldn't tell you a definition, but I know God, I feel God. It's always changing for me. When I was a Christian, and I won't say when I was, because I may still be, I don't know, to be honest, I'm in this weird in-between. But when I was a full-on, like, I'm a Christian person, God was more of a person in my mind, right? We use the word, we use he when we talked about God. Mm-hmm. And then as I evolved, I didn't want to call God he anymore. I, I don't even want to assign a gender to God. For me, it's more of, I'm connecting to something bigger than me. And I'm connecting to, this is what I call God. I love that you use the term upper management. Like, I love that because, yeah, that's how it feels. It's like... I'm connecting to a source that is bigger than me and that informs me, that knows me, that sees me, that I feel and that I see in other people that I see in, like I said, in yoga. I feel like for me, my faith is more holistic. I feel spirituality is like this holistic thing that is in my body. It's in my mind. It's in my soul. I don't know. It's so hard to explain, but I just believe that we can all connect to God And not everybody connects to God in the same way. And that's fine. I think everybody has their own relationship with God, whatever that looks like. And I know what mine feels like and how I operate in it. Yeah. And I feel like there's so much more I could say, but I don't want to ramble. Yeah, I'm like, I don't want to ramble. (laughs) We could do a whole podcast, you and I, about this conversation of what is God, who is God. Yeah. Yeah. I could say so much. Yeah. I love that you just, I wanted to weave this in if it just made its way in and you just dropped it in that if you and Mm. I were having a conversation many years ago, I feel like, or at least a year ago, and we were just contemplating, I don't remember what it was that we were talking about. And I just said, well, God is upper management. (laughs) I don't know where that term came from, but ever since then, it just came in. And this has been kind of true for me as a reminder, is this idea that there is something bigger than you? And sometimes that just brings you the comfort that you need and the connection that you need and the inspiration that you need and the motivation that you need. And that's enough. It's like, we don't need to get specific about what it is. It's a feeling and it's a knowing. And um, well, I would love to kind of, it's not a switch gears. It's really more of a deepening in, I think, Mm. a segue maybe into this next piece that I want to talk about with you. What is soul care? And yeah. how do you take care of your soul? And mm. do you help others take care of their soul? I mean, I know you have this beautiful, everyone listening should go on Amazon. I wouldn't normally say Amazon. <laughs> but I used to order all of my books from the book depository, but now it's out of business and I'm so sad. Mm. But you can find Iffy's books on Amazon. And mm-hmm. the hundred questions for the soul is one of my favorites because I didn't do it cover to cover. I like to just, when I'm in my meditation, yeah. just open it to a book. It's like one of yeah. those that just kind of sort of a separate practice than a morning pages. It's not a stream of consciousness. They're really thought provoking questions that kind of mm. get you into a soul place. And mm-hmm. I love that. But what is soul care for you? And how do you take care of your soul? I like want to go from God to this idea of soul, because I think yeah. soul is, I call it spirit, but the soul is what I see in you. And the soul is yeah. my soul or my spirit connects to your spirit. And that's really mm-hmm. how I see people and how I yeah. serve and how I love. And it's this essence that I feel like is the God part of us, whatever you call yes. it. Yes. And when, as an artist, as a writer, as a person who serves sisters, when you can connect to this part of you, which is connected to the bigger thing, 
Exactly. That's really when you get in flow and when you feel all the things. And is that what soul care is for you? And how do you take care Absolutely. of it? Is it a her or is like, what's the pronoun for your soul? <laughs> Ooh, what's the pronoun for my soul? No. So I agree with you a hundred percent. I think that's exactly what soul is to me, what you just described a hundred percent. And yeah, so I take care of my soul. I feel like my soul is kind of what governs me. But I think that if I don't take care of my soul, kind of like when people use the analogy of like, if you don't feed yourself, you'll be hungry. I feel like if I don't care for my soul, if I don't give it what it needs, it can't give me what I need. And for me, soul care looks so many different ways. And it's not just a routine thing either. Sometimes it's a feeling like, right? This week, I may need to go to the park and work outside and sit outside on the green and work. And that is soul care for me. That's what my soul needs. It needs to be outside. It needs to be somewhere different. It needs to see beautiful people playing. It needs sunshine, trees. And the next week, it could be my soul care is laying in my room and listening to music on the floor. It's like giving myself what I need. And it's not physical. It's not even mental. It's something else. Yeah. So for me, soul care is taking care of that part of you, like you said, that's connected to God and that can bring you, I feel like it brings me clarity. Like it helps me decide what's next. It's just that place that I tap into to hear and listen to myself and know what I need. And yeah, so I, that's how I take care of my soul. It just depends on the day, but then for others, for others. So I have this gift, kind of like you have this gift of seeing people. I have this gift of seeing them too and hearing their soul. That probably sounds so weird to people who like don't live that way, but Okay, but all the listeners that just got a tingle from that, let's just snap wherever you are and whatever you're doing while you're listening. I love that. Yeah, like I can hear what people need. I can hear their souls. I can feel their souls. But it's more of a like a hear feel because I can hear like, oh, this is what you need. I used to do a thing where they were called soul sessions. It could be a phone call. It could be a Zoom. It could be in person. And I would ask them questions. And it is funny because I would ask people questions and they would respond, but I wasn't really listening to their words. I was listening to their soul. It was like I was asking their soul the question and maybe what they said came from the soul, but maybe not. And so I would listen to their soul and tell them what I felt their soul was saying. And then another thing I would do is give people little tools to like listen to their soul on their own. I haven't done that in a really long time. I kind of transitioned into just doing it for the people around me and the people I love. And yeah, so I may go back to doing it like as a service, but for now it's just kind of for you the people in my life. After this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I love doing it though. Absolutely. That's my soul work. You know, I absolutely love doing it because a lot of times it just validates what people already knew. Right. That's true. I feel like you have to have a really strong sense of your own soul in order to see other souls. And so that, Mm -hmm. and for me, that's it. I get that real clear feeling. Yeah. Maybe that's what it is. If maybe that's why I'm drawn to you. And that's Mm -hmm. like, I just feel, I call it how holy you are or how you're a child of God like that. But it's really that you're so connected to, you really cultivate this relationship with your soul and yeah this is how you operate and yeah it's really beautiful and that you can feel that when you're with you I loved I want to say a million loves here I love love loved the spoken word piece that you recently shared on social called make the siren stop 
Thank you. I don't know if there was a title to it, but this was the kind of read <laughs> through it and it, it was so powerful. And it reminded me of a few older pieces that I've seen you perform that you shared with mm. me when we were um, talking about the power of storytelling. Mm-hmm. And I say that I've seen you perform, but I don't know if that's the word. It feels more like sharing or allowing us mm. to see an intimate glimpse of your mind. Will you tell us a bit about this medium of storytelling for you? Because yeah. poetry and spoken word, and now I'm really shifting gears because this time, this conversation is going to go so fast. And I, I want to spend the second half of this conversation now that we have a sense of your thoughts on faith. And this idea of how you navigate culture, I really want to spend the rest of the time if he illuminating what a beautiful poet you are and what Thank an you. incredibly powerful spoken word artist you are and what a, what a smarty pants writer. <laughs> we kind of had like, I presence this when we were doing the pre-roll of this podcast, the difference between poetry and spoken word, is it the actual performing and like giving it the energy of speaking it out loud that takes poetry and turns it into spoken word. As I like both, I feel like it's a different medium. Like there's poetry, yeah. which I feel like is supposed to be in soft words put on a page. Whereas spoken word flows to me to be spoken and the rhythm of it and the sound of it and the power of it and all of this is really what makes mm-hmm. it distinctly different. But mm-hmm. where does it come from? Where does this spoken word come from? Because I think there's a cultural, there's some mm. heritage to this. There's a cultural, we should be really, I think should in a small S-H-O-U-L-D, but I always really, really, really to give credit and mm. especially to this powerful medium of how we share words because it's so beautiful. And I think it would be interesting to know if you know, or if you have a thought about that, where does spoken word come from and how does it flow or come to you? And how are you feeling what happens and when you share? And I just want to explore this deeply with you. I want to stay here for a moment and just talk about spoken word because when I experience spoken word through you, if he, it is a medium that I love, but it feels so good coming through you. Mm-hmm. It's like you just experience it through you. And maybe that's also one of the powers of this medium. Like it's like you're supposed to take people on a journey and you're supposed to have them really feel it. Um, yeah. Yeah. Can we stay here for a moment? And of course, I just would love to hear yeah. more. Yeah. So I love that you brought. And like some cultural, there's some cultural aspects of it, because to be honest, spoken word is something that dropped into me. When I say dropped into me, I mean, I wrote songs when I was younger and like I did creative things. But when I was in college, it was my senior year of college and I was sitting in a library studying for a test and I literally started hearing lines in my head, literally like out of nowhere. I just started hearing lines that kind of rhymed and I remember sitting there thinking what is happening right now like I'm in a library and at the time I had a sidekick too if anybody knows what that phone looks like (laughs) and I opened it up and started writing these lines that I heard Um, my life maybe that's it spoken word just drops into you I love maybe yeah but I do remember being in ninth grade and our lit teacher showed us deaf poetry jam which a lot of Black artists back then would perform spoken word poetry on Deaf Poetry Jam. And I remember watching it and thinking like, oh, this is cool. But I never had an interest in it. It was never anything that really 
meant a whole lot to me. And then I was sitting in this library and just started hearing lines. And literally from then, I could not stop writing spoken word pieces. And I didn't perform. So, and then at the time, I didn't even know if it was like good spoken word. I had no idea. And so I would share it with like friends here and there and they would read it and they would say, oh yeah, this is good. But then when I spoke it for the first time, people's reactions, it was so weird to me. People were like, wait, you like, you just wrote like, wow. it, it was as if like what I did was a good thing basically. And I was like, oh, this is good. Like, is this a good, <laughs> good piece? And so then I started performing it and I have heard people say like, that's your sweet spot. Yeah. It's the only thing is like, I get performance anxiety sometimes when I have to perform it. The very first time actually I performed in front of a group of people and I was just led to do it. I know we switched gears to spoken word, but I think God is in all of it. Like I think it all just flows. Well, yeah. That's yeah. the thing I'm getting at here. It's like, yeah. how does, is it God in the writing? I mean, when you say something yeah. just drops into you, that spirit, yeah. that yeah. soul, that spirit yeah. in your soul, wherever yeah. it comes from, if it's a past life thing, if it's a God thing, yeah, whatever, it's like, it's just yeah. supposed to be yours in that moment. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I was led to like enter this spoken word show in college after I wrote my first full piece that I felt like was comprehensive and made sense. And I remember I was backstage and they were about to call my name. And I was like, God, please give me courage. God, please give me courage. And I said it over and over and over. And when I walked on stage, I kid you not, the nerves went completely away. And as soon as I started performing that piece, I felt like, honestly, I felt like I was flying. Like I felt like, God, please give her courage in this moment. (laughs) This is not a surprise. I asked Ify before you could have something queued up for us, but God, please give Ify a little bit of courage for this spur of the moment spoken word piece that she's going to share. Yeah, I'll share this piece. I will be honest. It's called Lines. And I was reading it this morning and I feel like it's one of the pieces I wrote. It was like a, sometimes I write spoken word pieces and they're like stream of consciousness and I just write them and then that's it. And this is one of those pieces but I will read it or I will share it. Lines form in my head like the agility to perform creeps up in my spirit. I'm hellbound if I refuse to release and restore the meaning of life to my soul. I'm told that when all is lost, all is asunder because sleeping beauty lies within each of us to perform, take edge, find confidence and let go. We're all here expected to ascend but held down by our faith and blunders of society make us feel bad for wanting to be whole i'm told that boldness and able-bodied confidence is sin unless we look within and bring out the words and heart that take shape in manifesting our destiny the death of me brought resurrection restoration revived again and again i'm torn between two lovers it and i but we are not the same we both found love, but in the midst of our pain, we find pressure and expectation surrounding our minds. We find pressure and expectation surrounding our minds. We find pressure and expectation surrounding our minds, begging to sign away our mobility, but we resist. And instead, we insist that the world become our oyster. The talented, like playgrounds of new tears of joy and freedom that don't exist outside of the realm of risk, joy and affection. We're here because we want to be. So let's find love. Oh, thank you so much. I think yeah. when I receive 
your piece, your this um this piece of writing. I don't want to call it a performance because it's not a performance. Yeah, I get it. That's my own connotation of the word. It's really exactly. so much bigger than that. When I receive this, it feels so generous, iffy. Like it's like a glimpse mm. into who you are. Mm. It's a glimpse of your mind and how your mind works. And it's a glimpse of your lens and the being that you are and your life experience. Like we bring so much into it. And it feels in terms of a full peace experience, like such a beautiful experience to just hear it and to feel it and to grab the pieces of it that you can get right exactly anchor into those pieces and one thing that i love that you do in terms of a technical um piece and this is the writing teacher in me or the english teacher in me i love how you use repetition for effect and i feel like you do that in every piece that you write and share in spoken word in your experience is this part of the spoken word medium? Is it the rhythm? Is it part of the flow? Is it just something natural? Yeah. 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 Yeah, for sure. And I think that's the part of it. And everybody has their own rhythm and flow in the way that they do it. But yeah, I think that's kind of what makes it a little different from just reading poetry. And I think I was researching how hip hop kind of came from spoken word poetry. And so I think that there's a rhythm in it. And like a lot of times, like this morning, I was listening to music and I started to hear. I was like, oh, I feel like a poem should go over this. And so I started playing around with the poem. So I think, yeah, there's some rhythmic stuff in there. And I like to write and I call them double entendres, but like where I'm saying one thing, but I'm also saying another thing. So, yeah, I think all of that technical stuff is in there and you get to play within it, you know, however you want. For me, one of the things that I love about poetry and spoken word and writing, but particularly poetry, is how smart it is. Mm-hmm. You have a limited space. You have access yeah. to the full language, but you're very, it's like, it's so smart to me. And yeah. it's the same with spoken word. It's like in the experience of every piece that you've ever shared, there's so much there in such a yeah. little time and space. It's so smart. Yeah. And also speaking to the creative and to the skill um, and the gift of it, maybe it can drop into everyone. And maybe it certainly does, but we just, yeah. don't, we all don't share what drops into us. And that could be a right. for a whole nother <laughs> episode. But I really feel like the people who have the gift for accessing the drop-in and then really bringing it out, it's so powerful. It's such a powerful medium. Yeah. Is writing a spiritual practice for you personally? And how is this writing poetry and spoken word different than the right pieces work that you do with clients? Mm. What's the difference between poetry, spoken word and storytelling, maybe in a corporate sense or just in general for branding? Because I think the right pieces, your business that you do with kind of formal writing is really more about storytelling for a branding purpose or marketing purpose or um, in a team. The first part of this question is I would just love to know if you think of writing as a spiritual practice or like part of your spiritual practice or soul care. Yeah. Um, and then just yeah. how you see the difference between this writing. Is it for you and the other writing is more for work? Is it masculine, feminine? Is it more creative mm. and more pragmatic? Like, yeah. How do you see the difference? Do you have to navigate it? Do you like one more than the other? Like I'm just transitioning to poetry a little bit here with this question. Yeah. No, I love that question. I do see writing as a spiritual practice and writing as one of the things that whether I share it or not, I have to do it. Right. And when I say have to, it's because like, it's just a part of me. Like 
I write in my journal. I write to express. When I wrote that poem that I shared on social media the other day, I just needed to get that out. Like I literally just needed to get it out. And then I decided, oh, like I guess I'll share this. I felt inspired, but I have to write to feel well. It's one you of those things. First, it's, it's I do. Part of your practice, okay. I do. Um, I do. That's always. I'm always just writing because it's in me and it needs to come out. <laughs> like you know, yeah, I do see it as spiritual practice, and then it's all connected, but it is different. I think, and I'm actually working a little more on marrying the two a little bit more. Because I used to separate the what I feel is a spiritual creative practice from the more mental, pragmatic, like you said, way of writing for businesses. But the more that I kind of bring them a little closer together, the better that feels to me and the more authentic what I'm doing feels as well. And people probably really love that. Yeah. Like, and, to sound yeah. like a poet. It's such a cool <laughs> Yeah. And I think it's also a little bit more impactful. I think weave some of the storytelling, the soul storytelling with the audience storytelling. And when I say audience storytelling, I just mean like, hey, okay, there's this brand. Who is their audience? Okay. Let me write for their audience. But without that soul piece, without the, what is this audience feeling? What is this audience thinking? What do they need? What words resonate with them? What feelings resonate with them? Without that stuff, I feel like the more creative work just doesn't feel as authentic. I think they need each other. Yeah. So you're blending them. Yeah. And for you personally, you write more poetry and kind of do the soul care in order to be an open conduit to the drop-in. And yes. then you let the drop-in inspire whatever's going to come out. It kind absolutely. of absolutely. Yeah, sense. absolutely. Yeah. Okay. You've written two books of poetry, I think. Mm -hmm. Lessons of Love. Is that the first ones? Or learn uh, Learning to Love. Learning to Love. I need to get that one because I thought I had all of your books, but I think I'm missing this one. But when was it published? It was, a it was published in 2017. Okay. Yeah. And I have September, which is your most recent one. And I feel like... Yeah. I feel like when I opened September and I started reading September, it was like I had taken it a journal off of the shelf of your yes, Absolutely. And I think you even say that. It's like the yeah. poems sat in a book for a long time yep. before I put them into a book to share with the world. Yeah. And I want you to know that every poem I read was kind of like that. I was like looking around like, <laughs> it feels... That is such a beautiful intention when you write with Thank that you. kind of like, this is my heart and this is stuff that I've not ever said and maybe some people aren't going to like. Yeah. I have several pages dog-eared and I think mm. when I get books of sisters that I love and especially as a poet, like I dog-ear things and then take a screenshot and send it to them and say, I'm reading mm. this today. Yeah. And I certainly did that. Yeah. Can you share a little bit about... I guess writing for you versus one, like, what is it that something happens that brings you to publishing? Because you said, first, I'm writing for myself. Like, yeah. What is it that takes a book of poems in a journal that you've written for yourself that just needed to get out of you? Yeah. Published form. Yeah. Great question. So for me, I always just feel like I should. And not should as in like to please people, but should as in like, this is something that's a part of you. This is who you are. You write things and you share. And not just to share, but because people always come back and tell me, 
oh, this resonated with me, or I didn't know anybody else felt this way, or thank you for saying this. Or, and so I'm like, okay, if it's helping people in one way or another, I want to share it. And then I also just feel on a more like a less deep level, I'm like, I just have all these poems just sitting around on my computer, <laughs> like in my notebooks. I should just share them just for the sake of putting them out in the world. Like, why not? And so for September, I have so many pieces of writing in my Google Docs and I in my journals. And I just felt I wanted to create something and put it out in the world. And I was like, oh, I have a bunch of poems from September. Like, let me put together a bunch of poems from September. And it was also kind of curiosity, like, how many poems do I have from September? What is happening in my life around September every year? What am I writing about? Am I growing? Like, so it was kind of that too. Like, hmm, I wonder what this would look like if I put them all together. Will you share a poem from September? Sure. Okay, before I picked a couple, but I wanted to ask you, is there a date in September that means anything to you? Any date? Ooh, that's a good question. My default is like September 13th. Okay. And I don't know why that's just coming to me intuitively. But That's so interesting. I figured you would have a date though. Now let's see if I have a poem though for September 13th. If not, I have some that I dog here too. Yeah, I didn't write anything. <laughs> I have so many dates that are repetitive, which is interesting. It's like, what was going on? Oh, I do have one from September 13th. So it's kind of a sensual one. <laughs> Do you want to roll with it or do you want to pick one? That I mean, are you okay with sensual? I mean, it's a, I don't think this podcast is for children. <laughs> okay. Okay. Yeah. So this is from September 13th, 2020, actually, which we know what was going on in 2020. Wow. So it's interesting. I don't know where this came from, but it's called One Night. It was a Sunday afternoon when I called his name. He was brown skin, bright eyed, and almost heavy enough to be considered a big guy. His eyes met mine in the shower as we kissed slowly, letting our arms caress each other, legs intertwined, candles burning, water pouring down our bodies. We were in love, even if just for one night. Which, this is about my husband. Um, <laughs> I wondered. Yeah, it, it, this is my husband for sure. But it's funny because in marriage and in relationships, you can like somebody one night and the next day be like, I don't want to talk to you today. Sure. And so I think this was me just being in the moment and appreciating that moment yeah well thank you so much for sharing that it's like it's always so beautiful to feel and hear the energy of the poet share her own yeah. work i think the gift of poetry is that it brings us into a moment that you had that might feel yeah. like anybody else just like an average everyday simple kind of moment yeah and it makes it poetic yeah. Brings you yeah. right into that moment. And I think, if yeah, I think we all can relate to this idea of being in a moment like that and feeling like if it's even just for one night, this is so. Yeah. 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 So I know we have time, but I, there's another poem on September 13th that I actually think is very appropriate for you, just who you are. And so it's very short. It's called Women. We need to build bridges from conformity to uniformity and form ashes around the ideas and concepts that keep our bodies bound in comparison. Thank you. Yeah. yeah, it's so generous for you to be here and for you to let me put you on the spot and ask Thank you, you to share 
these poems and this spoken word piece that hasn't been unleashed yet, that's still fresh and you're sitting with it. Mm -hmm. um, I always end this podcast by asking my guests these three questions. The first one is, which do you relate to the most? And I've started to say today because several of my guests say, well, I love all of these, but I guess today. <laughs> which do you relate to the most, whole, healed, or holy, and why? Yeah. Yeah. When I thought about this question, my first thought is whole. And I think it's because it was my goal when I started to transition and evolve my faith. I just wanted to feel whole. And I had always had this concept of good and bad and being a good person and a versus a bad person. And I stopped thinking that way. And instead, I just wanted to be whole. And I think that's always my goal. That's always what I'm healed. Yes. Holy. Yes. But for me, whole just is my thing. I just want to be a whole person because I think that leads me in every other area. I love that this little insight that you gave. And I think it was a medium piece where you said people always say that I'm so Zen, but yeah. they have no idea how much cussing is happening in my head. <laughs> <laughs> and so when you say whole, it's like, that's it, right? It's like, yeah, at the same time, being the Zen girl who's also cussing in her head, like that's yeah. Um, yeah. A book that you love or a book that you've gifted the most. Yeah, absolutely. Big Magic by Elizabeth Gilbert is one of my favorite books. And the one that I kind of talk about a lot in reference when I'm talking about things, especially fear. I just love Liz Gilbert and I love her writing. And Big Magic being about creativity is just, I just love it so much. I love her too. She's a really approachable like she oh, feels really yeah. real to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, she just makes everything real and it feels yeah. like really accessible and approachable and real. A quote or mantra that you love or one that guides you? Yeah, so lately, I feel like they change over time, but lately my mantra has been, what are you going to do about it? I guess it's more obviously it's more of a question, but Whenever there's something going on, whenever if I'm sad or if I have a certain emotion or if I have an issue, I'm always asking, what are you going to do about it? And not because I always am able to do something about it, but to remove the burden of the feeling mm -hmm. like, okay, this happened. What are you going to do about it? If the only thing I can do about it is like go lay down and go to sleep or like, nothing like ask myself that question to remove the burden because I get very bogged down by like all these things that are happening but there are also times when what are you going to do about it means I have to publish a piece or I need to go write so that's been something yeah action like instead of sitting in your emotions which sometimes we need for a little bit but what can you do what can you do so next empowering. To say, yeah. what are you going to do? Whether you choose to do something or not, it feels really important. Yeah. 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 Oh, thank you. Doesn't seem like a big enough. Uh, doesn't oh, man. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for this. Yeah. Thank you for all that you are. And thank you for all that you share. And thank you for the service and just presencing how important it is to care for our souls. Like just how thank important you. this simple practice of caring for your soul and just giving her, him, they, them, yeah. <laughs> whatever this part of you needs so that you can feel more whole and so that you yeah. can 
taking action or not from that place. Thank you so much for this and for the service that you feel called to do. Will you share before we go the offerings that you have coming up or anything like ways that people can connect with you just before we finish this conversation? Do you only work with corporate clients? Like if somebody wants to be a better poet or writer, (laughs) individual clients, and will you be open to doing these soul sessions again? Like what's is there yeah. a book coming? Like what's happening? <laughs> yeah. So I've been in a place of writing a lot. And so I'm, I'm writing for a publication and also doing some writing for my blog. That's been most of my focus. I'm always open to doing a soul session. I love connecting with people. And so, yeah, I'm always open to that. People can email me. You can DM me. Honestly, I've also been having, this is not as much a service as it is just me being available I enjoy smart conversations, smart, spiritual, curious conversations. And so people sometimes hit me up in my DMs and they're just like, hey, what do you think about this? And we have a voice memo conversation. I'm always open to that. And I think one thing that I'm leaning towards is helping people identify the areas either in their business or their artistry where to help them move forward. It could be so many different things um, depending on the person. But if you're in your business or you're an artist and you feel like, I don't really know what my next step is. I don't really know how to move forward. I don't really know. I'm leaning towards like helping people figure out what that thing is. And again, it goes back to listening. So yeah. Yeah. Thank you for the way that you walk with God. Thank you. Faith. And when I say God, I mean God only as you know God, only as yeah. knows God. It's a very, I'm using the term universally for whatever you believe God is. And yeah. the ways that you inspire all of us to be real and holy at the same time. Like, thank so you. Wonderful. And thank you for being here with me and for sharing so generously your wisdom and your path and your heart. I love you so much, Ify. I love you too. And honestly, thank you. I have to thank you. This moment has been beautiful and inspiring and being seen matters. And you always come in at the right time and see me and let me know that you see me and I need it every single time. So I appreciate you. Thank you for listening. It means a lot to me that we've shared this moment of deep conversation. If you feel inspired or touched by something in this episode, please leave a comment and or a review. For more in all the ways, please find me at Whole Healed Holy on Instagram and at www.patricia-russo.com on the web. Stay close, please, and know that you are whole, you are healed, and you are holy. Until next time.